0: Let us pray. O God, we pray that you would surround us with your love. Even in this moment, in the speaking and hearing of your word, hug us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and all of God's people said, amen. Please be seated. On this, what we call opening Sunday, at the beginning of a new academic year, poetry is on my mind. From the ancient days to our modern times, poets have played an important part in human civilizations. As Edward Hirsch says in his book, A Poet's Glossary, poetry is a human fundamental, like music, It's an inexplicable, though not incomprehensible, event in language, an experience through words. Others call it stored magic or a room of marvels. One of my favorite poets, Emily Dickinson, talks about poetry in an 1870 letter and She says, if I read a book and it makes my whole body so cold no fire can ever warm me, I know that is poetry. If I feel physically as if the top of my head were taken off, I know that is poetry. These are the only ways I know it, she says. Is there any other way? I love Dickinson. To me, one of the greatest poetic lines from her is I felt a funeral in my brain. Maybe some of you students and faculty feeling that way at the start of another school year. Everything coming at you. Yet one line like that with an economy of words can speak to a whole cosmos of existence. Sometimes all it takes is one word to heal you One word to save you, that's what poetry can do. Poems do things with words and mean things with words that flattened prose just can't do. I actually turned to writing poetry during this pandemic. I know others picked up other habits, bird watching or knitting or fishing, or cooking, or woodworking, or tick-tocking. For me, it was poetry in order to outer my inner in a different way because though poetry uses words, it's more than words. And often I just haven't had the words during this season, even though I'm a preacher. I'm no Robert Browning or Langston Hughes or Mother Goose but this was one of my feeble poetic attempts. I call it space, pandemics, social distance. We are far away from each other, yet launch into space, far away at distance, closer to technology than one another, Technology outpacing our humanity. We like distances, far away ones. Go to space and not make space for each other. This is pandemonium. One often writes poetry for no one to see or hear. It's a human and holy practice. I concur with poet S.T. Coleridge, who, who said, there's no money in poetry, but then there's no poetry in money either. Poets don't muse for money anyway. Poets usher us into mystery for free. I mean, I know some may think, poetry during a pandemic? What a waste of time. Look at the plight and suffering of the world. Poetry? Poets are dreamers, unrealistic linguists, out of touch with reality, some say. Former US Poet Laureate Billy Collins was interviewed in the Paris Review, and he talks about poetry as an attempt toward discovery. He says, in a poem, the pen is more like a flashlight, a Geiger counter, or one of those metal detectors that people walk around beaches with. You're trying to discover something that you don't know exists, maybe something of value. While the novelist is banging on his typewriter, the poet is watching a fly in the windowpane. Maybe poets may be viewed to be out of touch. But historically, poets are the ones who've been in touch with what is truly real. They're in relationship with the muse and make music for the good of the whole. Poets, like the psalmists, know something about the real. I look to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Poets like hymn writers know something about the real. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O oh, my soul, praise him, for he is thy health and salvation. Poetry is all around the church. We pray it, we sing it, we dance it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want the trees of the fields, they clap their hands. Poems. Poets know what is truly real. Why do you think nations and states still have poet laureates? Why do you think poets still grace the stages of presidential inaugurations? We need them because we need those who have an ear and eye and sense for what is real and possible and will tell the truth, even in a slanted way, with courage and wisdom. Do you know that God is a poet too? God is the perfect poet who in his person acts his own creations, one poet wrote. God was a maker which is what the word poet means. God made worlds through words, and according to James in the fulfillment of his own purpose, the Father of lights gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So creation was a poetic act through words. When God spoke, something was made, a poem was created, and there was a pattern and meter, and symmetry, and rhythm, and a sense of delight. Poetry happened in Genesis, in the evening and the morning, in the evening and the morning, and it was good. The poetic act of God creation wasn't a waste of time for God, the maker, the poet. And because God's a poet, that means we are poems. Actually, in Ephesians 2, we hear, For we are God's handiwork. That word is poema, poem. We are God's poem created in Christ Jesus. We are God's poem. God does things with words, yet we are more than words. We are poems. And because of that, poetry is more than words, it's in flesh. I mean, Billy Collins may have a traditional understanding of poetry and, and, and says gasoline comes in gallons, cigarettes comes in packs, and poetry comes in lines and stanzas. I mean, that's what we normally think about poetry, but I'm suggesting that poetry comes in human lives too, not just lines. And this is what James is after. Let me explain. James stresses being doers of the word and not merely hearers. The Greek word for doer is poietes. Poietes. That is poets or makers. Be poets of the word. Be doers of the word. Makers of the word. Poets are doers. I mean, traditionally, we may think poetry is only about the words or the lines and stanzas, but poetry means more than words. It means your life. It means your flesh. And according to James, it is action in plain sight. The Greeks taught that poesis was conceived as bringing something from concealment into the full light. So poetry reveals through the word in plain sight. Poetry has to be more than words when we are told by James to be slow to speak and to even bridle our tongues. And if we don't, it's a worthless religion. We need to watch our tongues and remember the proverb that says, A still tongue makes for a wise head. I mean, we don't want to be like the person who told someone, Hold still. I'm trying to imagine you with a personality. Or the wife who said to her husband and about her husband, The only way my husband would ever get hurt during an activity is if the TV exploded. Watch your tongues, be doers, be poets who make meaning with your lives and action. Just as words and poems do something to readers, our poetry literally should do something in the world. For James and all throughout the Bible, the poetic action that Christians are called to do is to care for orphans and widows and those who are vulnerable Welcome the stranger and alien and refugee, heal the sick, feed the hungry, visit the prisoner, clothe the naked. In other words, make poetry in plain sight. If we do, it's, it's beauty in plain sight. It's a beautiful life of discipleship, poetry in motion. Poetry is a doing in the life of faith. Be makers of the word who make it by living it out because poets live the word. They don't solely write the word. I know some want to tie our poem to a chair with rope so we're not free to act. But then if that happens, the word will be dead. Because as James says further on, faith without works is dead. Why? Because there's no poetry. A life without poetry is dead. If the word is not enfleshed or enacted, it is dead. If we don't make poetry by doing the word, our faith is dead. But when our matching or, and the, of the hearing of the word with the doing of it, when we match those things, then we have poetry in motion. When you don't forget what you look like in the mirror after walking away from the mirror, as James talks about, you're a poet of the word because poets remember the word in public, put it back together in the flesh, in our lives while remembering the mission of the poet God. So poets do things. They do the word. They make the word. It's it's one person says actions become poetic traction. And so the poet becomes a poem people see. And it is one of awe and one of delight and one that's true and good and beautiful. So this year, as we start this academic year, as it has already started for undergrads, Jesus is is calling all poets. But what kind of poet will you be? What type of poetry will you be making on campus and in the community? Will your poem only be about a written line? or an embodied life in Christ. We need some poets of the word in the world. We need some poets to prophesy with their lives. I mean, there was an unnamed woman in the Gospel of Luke. And if it wasn't bad enough to be a woman in her town, thus a second-class citizen, It was even worse to have her nickname be Sinner Woman. She was untouchable, an outcast. No one called her for the girls' night out. No one called her for family get-togethers. She received uh, no handshakes, no hugs. No pat on the back, no passing of the peace, no high fives, no one to wipe her weeping eyes. She was deemed a nobody. And not only did she have no name, she had no voice. She wasn't just slow to speak, she never says a word in that story. Only the men speak but little did they know that she was a poet in the making. She was soon to be a poet of the word in the presence of the word. She heard the the rumor mill that Jesus was in town eating with the Pharisee Simon at his house and Jesus was her last hope. And so what did she do? She, She put on her fanciest dress her finest jewelry and fixed her hair and she pours a priceless oil in a jar while she was carrying some hope in the chest of her heart and she sets out to go to Simon's house knowing full well that the Pharisee will not welcome her presence. But people will do whatever they have to do in order to get peace. She arrives at Simon's house And she takes advantage of the social custom that allows needy people to visit such a meal to receive leftovers. But she's not interested in the breadcrumbs. She wants to meet the bread of life. And so when she spots Jesus, she rushes towards him stands behind him, weeping before him, bathes his feet with her tears, dries them with her hair, kisses his feet, and anoints them with refreshing oil. She doesn't speak a word, but she is a poet of the word. Poetry in motion. Her action was her speech. She preached with her mouth shut. She was poetry in the plain sight of Jesus. We need some poets who will preach with their mouths shut this year. And don't worry, you you won't be alone, because the gospel is the poetry of God for the life of the world. God's work in, in Christ was poetry in plain sight of the powers that be. It was more than a word. It was Christ's incarnate broken body nailed to a cross, and his whole life was poetic love in action. And it even takes an actual poem in Philippians to remind us of what this poetry in motion really is. Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a poem. Poetry in plain sight for the salvation of the world. When Billy Collins, in that same interview I referenced earlier, was asked, when you look back over all of your poems, Do you see any similarities or do you find uh, things in your poems that you hadn't noticed before? His response was, only one thing. I have a lot of mice in my poems. What will people notice about your poetic life when they look back over it? I hope they say, I saw a lot of the word in their poem, and it is beautiful, and it is the glory of God. Thanks be to God, amen.